This is the Howell Creek Radio address for Monday, February 21st, 2011. I'm Joel Duick. Trixie works at a coffee shop within five minutes walk from the Niagara Falls on the Canadian side. If you've ever been to Niagara Falls, you know that swirling around the sublime scene of the falls themselves is the spirit of a carnival that is but poorly restrained. The falls sit on a throne of rushing waters crowned by stone and iron railings and clothed in mist, and at the very feet of his throne sits the jester, the spirit of the carnival the Ferris wheel, the wax museums, gaudy lights, and freak exhibits. And in the very midst of this carnival sits the coffee shop, an oasis of tranquility, with tall windows that regard the surrounding froth of noise and foot-weary tourists in silence and patience. By her art, Trixie is able to make this a quieter space where the spirit of the falls further down the hill may still be felt, but her little outpost is often subject to invasion. Only the other day, an actual clown in full clownish regalia entered her shop. Out on the sidewalk, even he had seemed somewhat like he belonged. For after you have been on the hill a week or two, you have seen enough of odd characters and behavior from all over the world to be in expectation of a clown rather than otherwise. A circus clown even seems refreshingly honest compared to all the other clowns that act the part but attempt to hide it by going about in normal civilian attire. Out on the sidewalk, I say, he belonged. But once he entered the coffee shop, he was entirely out of his element, and everyone could sense it. The jester had overstepped himself again, as he so often does in a hundred little ways. As if in response to an invisible rebuke, the clown soon skulked off again, and an uneasy balance was again restored to the hill in Niagara Falls. I'll tell thee a tale now. List to me With a hey-ho The wind and the rain But merry or sad Which shall it be For the rain It raineth every day Recently, at a small, crowded, loud, late-night party somewhere in the world, I think America, world-famous actor Bill Murray showed up. With no prior acquaintanceship with any of the parties, and armed only by his charisma and world-famousness, he got along, well, famously with everyone. And I mean famously. He played tambourine with the band, fixed the lead singer's straps with a piece of string, talked the cops into letting them play another couple songs, and did the dishes. It was a beautiful example of a gift, and this is all documented on video, by the way, a superpower that I have long coveted. The ability to mix effortlessly with strangers, to put them instantly at their ease as though you'd known them for years. This is the spirit of the jester, as soon as you meet him, you are his friend. 
No preliminaries, no mystery, none of the gradual climbs or getting-to-know-you switchbacks that feature in a lasting, growing friendship. As one observer of Bill Murray's appearance at the party remarked, I'm convinced that Bill Murray has no friends and must interact solely with total strangers. If the jester makes you feel instantly at ease, the good feeling may fade when you realize you have seen everything there is of him to see. Oh, mistress mine, where are you roaming? Oh, stay and hear your trillops coming. That can sing both high and low. That can sing both high and low. I once stayed at a hostel in Niagara Falls. I'm told they have some of the best hostels in the world, and shared a room with some guys who'd driven up from North Carolina to see the falls for the first time. The next night I asked them how they liked it, and wonder of wonders, their faces fell into a sort of blankness. They were somewhat disappointed. They said they'd seen the falls, gone on the Maid of the Mist boat ride, found it all just exactly adequate, great in its way but not astounding. Then, assuming it was the next thing to do, they had tried to spend the rest of their day on whatever of the nearby amusements they could find to interest themselves, which naturally left them underwhelmed. It was easy to see what had happened to these guys. They'd paid their respects to the God King of the Falls, expecting him to converse with them from his throne on their first appearance. Then, at the drop of a hat, without realizing they had switched from anything to anything, they turned to the jester, walking a block or two up the hill to the carnival. In two minutes, the jester had put them completely at their ease, and in five minutes they began to realize they already knew all there was of him to know. of a king or queen is that they are reserved. They save themselves for later. They naturally hold themselves back. The king is not your drinking buddy, not at your first or even your fifteenth meeting. The majesty of the falls announces to anyone with a soul that the spirit of a king sits there, but thousands rush by his throne every week, tossing him little tokens of attention and expecting in return that he will thunder them his greatest secrets. Kings do not work that way, and those who expect them to will be disappointed. In the case of Niagara Falls, however, we must be more forgiving of the public, for it is not always easy to reverence a king or to give him due contemplation when he keeps such a character as the jester at his side. If the falls were set apart more, if you had to hike a mile through the gorge before the sudden view of them broke openly upon you, the innate majesty of the falls would be more naturally conserved and more naturally reverenced. It would take some time and effort to approach them as fits a king. As it is, the jester has erected towers and tents and bulwarks that boast views onto the falls from every high and low angle. I have sometimes wondered if this particular kingly spirit did something wrong and is being punished for an age or half an age. 
It is useless to speculate on matters too high for us, however. A king he remains, and he does not lower himself to the parade of tourists, however many they may be, or how easily they get there. If you would converse with the god of the falls and of the river, well, I don't know how to tell you to, how to go about doing that, for I've never actually done so myself. Neither have many who have lived near him their whole lives. My advice, though, would be to do what I described earlier, and impose a gradual approach upon yourself. Spend some days in the towns downriver. Walk along the shores of Lake Ontario and watch the people that go through. Feel out the places along the river where there are fewer people, or none at all. Spend an afternoon in them, then come back and see them in the early morning light, then come back at 8 o'clock and see them in the twilight, then do it again in the summer, again in the fall, and again in winter. If you are really lucky, maybe you will fall in love with a woman who grew up haunting these places from her childhood, and in her heart you will recognize and see them more clearly. Do all this, and then spend an hour leaning over the railings and watching the falls and still the king of the falls may not yet speak to you. But you will feel the weight of him there, and at least you will know what you are looking at. It will be one of the best hours of your life, I promise you. The end. With a hay pole, the wind and the rain Gangs, knaves and thieves, men shut their gates For the rain, it raineth every day With the hay, oh, the wind and the rain With tough but still her drunken heads For the rain, it raineth every day
But that's all when my tale is done Then I'll strive to please you every day And I'll strive to please you every day Every day Every day. <laughs> Wee!